welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today, I've got a really great guest, a fun guest, somebody who I have gotten to know recently much better, somebody who is a superstar here at EXP, Cliff Freeman, has had an amazing 30-plus year career in real estate. He is one of the top agents in the state of Texas and really one of the most sought-after real estate coaches in our industry and truly someone that I am honored to call a friend. Cliff, brother, welcome to the show. Oh, Michael, I'm telling you, that's, uh, are you, I think you're introducing somebody else there, but, but thank you very much. I, it was definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're very generous with your kind words this afternoon. <laughs> Listen, brother, it, it, it is something that I got to tell you, we were just talking before we started recording and um, this week has been a blessing for me. I am in your beautiful state of Texas at the moment. We're here for a very socially responsible event for EXP, but we're celebrating the success of some of our top agents. We're doing this uh, simultaneously across the country. Obviously, you're in that group and you know, you've shared your story with me and I got a chance to really find out some of those amazing lessons, which we're going to, to delve with a little bit with our listeners today. But before we jump into all of that magic, can you please tell us how you got started in this crazy industry of ours? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> that's that's going to touch a few brain cells that have been dormant for a while, but... Um, Let's give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know um, uh, so I, I used to joke that uh, when my mom was pregnant with me, that her water broke when she was showing a house. Um, I was literally born into the business. My mom uh, was a uh, top agent here in Dallas back in the day, and, and, uh, and it's funny. So I grew up around it, Michael. Uh, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I just, all through my young years, I, I just had no attraction to real estate at all. And, and, you know, people, you know, guys don't like to drink the same beer that their dad did. I don't know what it is, but you know, there's something about just following in your parents' footsteps. You know, we all want to go out and kind of, you know, build our own paths and, and create our own destiny and that sort of thing. Um, but I was around it enough, you know, in high school that, you know, I, I just knew that it was like really strange. She, my mom would say things like, well, it's your tuition. I went to, I was blessed. They were able to put me into a private school here in Dallas. And my mom would say things like, you know, your tuitions do uh, coming up due here. I need to go sell a house. And I was like, wow, how does that work? My dad's got this corporate job. You know, he's been with it. He, he does a regular work day and all that kind of stuff. My mom just says, hey, well, I need some money. I got to go sell a house. So that always kind of intrigued me. And as I grew up and and sort of the, the entrepreneur, you know, developed, came out in me, uh, so to speak. Um, that's something that always has stuck in the back of my mind about real estate. And, and it wasn't long after that, that sure enough, about 10 years after I graduated from high school, I, uh, you know, I uh, uh, had an opportunity to get licensed and, and uh, uh, started some businesses that required that I, you know, acquire some uh, commercial property. And, and, you know, that's how the story began. But, uh, you know, really, I guess if you take the whole history, it's 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 gone back um, probably as long as I've been on this earth. So <laughs> I love that. You know, and it was really funny because I interviewed um, 
Elizabeth Stribling Kivlin uh, um, about a month ago. And her mother, of course, started Stribling uh, Real Estate in, in New York, which was one of the most boutique agencies that were around. And they just uh, uh, merged with, uh, with Compass last year. But she said, it said to me, you know, I was kicking and screaming and fighting and I didn't want to do this business. And, you know, Elizabeth was the CEO of the company now. And so she said, I went to California. I went to culinary school. I did everything to run away from this. And then I finally came back and I was just working with a, uh, a competitor of my mom because my mom didn't want to hire me. She said, go learn the business somewhere else. And then when she came back, she said, oh, my God, I, in five minutes, she realized this is what she was supposed to be doing. You know, it's funny. Um, I, I think what I realized after I and I walk with a bit of a limp here because I have a, kind of the tendencies to do the serial entrepreneur thing. And, and I did some that were capital intensive and I had to deal with investors and, you know, people that I, you know, when you told them, well, I can't pay you back, you know, right now, they looked at you like, oh, well, which limb would you like cut off this week, right? <laughs> and so, but, you know, real estate is kind of like the final bastion of capitalism. It's like the only place where you can go now and with a meager sum of money and a lot of goodwill and intent and passion, you can go in and actually build a business. We don't have to manufacture our inventory. You know, we don't have this big upfront capital cost to start the business. And so that really, you know, and for me in the particular time when I, when I really got back into real estate, cause I've been in and out of it a little bit, but, but that has always been one of the, the, one of the, the things that I think appeals to people the most is that it's one of those industries where you can go in and if you have the right stuff, right. You remember the right stuff. Mm -hmm. Remember, remember that? I sure do. Yeah. yeah. So if you have the right stuff, you can literally go in and, and create wealth. Um, you know, in a relatively short period of time uh, without having to have a lot of assets to do it with. So, I mean, this is still a wonderful business. And, and uh, you know, I got to say that when I got into it, it was fun. After a while, it was, you know, it got to be kind of a drag. And, you know, you, you sort of, you know, you get tired of going into people's houses that think their home is worth more than it is and, and trying to, you know, bring them down to reality and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, the decision that I made four years ago uh, has completely changed everything about my outlook on the business. And I am having so much fun now. I get to hang around with unbelievably talented people like you and, and uh, Courtney and, and Glenn Sanford and Don Hobbs and just the whole group. You know, it's just, I feel so uplifted, um, you know, just in this last, you know, short four-year journey. It's been amazing. Oh, you're you're very kind with those words. But today, this week has been a really fun week of getting together and really exploring that. But I'm going to hit on EXP a little bit later in this conversation. But you know, I, this you know, I've been really blessed that this podcast has really um, taken off very, very much globally. It's in almost 30 countries now. Mm -hmm. And um, when the listeners listen to the podcast and the different guests that I have. They're always so fascinated about the real estate market from where that expert is from because they look at other, you know, investment opportunities and things like that. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about the Dallas-Fort Worth real estate market, what your view is on it, what the outlook is? I'd love to get your lens on that. Yeah, sure. Well, not unlike other parts of the country, you know, we suffered from an inventory shortage following the great recession that began, you know, 06, 07, 08, and then, 
you know, continued for a, a few years after that. I mean, the builders just quit building. Uh, it's not like we, the population stopped. I mean, people still need places to live, roofs over their head, uh, but the, the supply was just not keeping up with demand and it hasn't really since then. Um, you combine that with, you know, record low interest rates. There's more gasoline on the fire than there ever has been uh, in my lifetime. And I've seen rates as high as, you know, in the high teens uh, and to where they are today is just amazing. Uh, but our local economy here is really driven by, by job growth. Uh, you know, one of the beautiful things about living in Texas is we have a fairly business friendly climate. Um, and what that's produced for us is we are the beneficiaries of all of the folks who are kind of sick and tired of, of high taxes, old infrastructure, um, you know, some of the politics perhaps, who knows, but um, we have a lot of people that are migrating here from the coasts and, you know, that has sort of created this perpetual demand. I mean, Toyota uh, uh, Motors moved their national sales quarters, uh, sales headquarters here. Charles Schwab is coming, Liberty Mutual. I mean, the, the, the you know, the, the class companies that continue to relocate here, um, you know, it, it's, we haven't seen an end to it yet. And so with that demand coming, uh, combined with the sort of constraint on the supply, uh, you know, it's caused our home prices here to uh, essentially double in the last few years. And, you know, we have record home sales uh, continuing all the way into the fall, uh, when normally this time of year, especially, you know, because of COVID, um, you know, we, we took a slight pause, but this thing has come back with a vengeance and uh, we really don't see any end in sight. Uh, ceteris paribus, again, yeah. all things being held equal, uh, you know, when interest rates stay down, I think this part of the country uh, is in for a healthy real estate market for the time to come. You know, you, you mentioned the fact that it's, you know, in, in this world of COVID, we're still doing well. And I think that a lot of people we're looking at what has become almost a V-shaped economy in certain states and Texas being one of those major ones where you did have people running away from the coasts, if you will, and heading to a very tax-friendly state um, if they're a domestic investor. Um, but also the idea that there's more space, right? There's more space in Texas a big state. And uh, to your point, it feels like it's a very robust um, 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 uh, economy for you and industry for you in that market. What about foreign investment? Have you, have you seen that in Dallas? We, we, we sure have. We've seen tons of cash pour in uh, to purchase investment properties, uh, which contributed to the appreciation uh, in home prices here. Um, I would say, though, that it doesn't appear at this point uh, that rental rates have kept up with the appreciation that we've seen on the sales price side. Um, but that may change. You know, we've still got to absorb uh, some of the issues that have been kicked down the road here um, with regard to the forbearances, uh, sure. some of the CARE Act and, and, and the other things that have yet to be resolved. Uh, in terms of how these people are going to unwind their upside, not their upside down mortgages, but their, you know, their late payments. And, yep. you know, we've got millions of, of uh, homeowners here who are in technically in default, they're behind on their mortgage. Uh, and we, we just don't know what the government's going to do to ensure that's a smooth landing. Um, so, you know, there's always that possibility we could see 
you know, a pop in foreclosures here. Uh, I would look at that, you know, I obviously it, it rips at my heart uh, for anybody to have to go through that. However, just from a pure investment standpoint, you know, that could potentially provide some additional supply and give a boost to the rental market here as those homeowners return back to being renters for a while until they can get their feet back on the ground. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it's uh, it's it's an interesting market to definitely watch for those international investors, especially. So I want to turn my attention to exploring your coaching for a bit. And you were one of the most sought after, or are one of the most sought after real estate coaches and and mentors, really. And I'm curious because you know when somebody coaches and coaches as well as you takes a skill set. When did you realize you had something to share, if you know what I mean? And how did you formulate that message? That's always been fascinating to me when I'd speak to coaches. You know, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can sort of remember the moment when I had the epiphany that, you know, I, I, I'm going through coaching, I'm seeing this, and I'm seeing how it could be better. And I'm seeing how we could change things to make it more effective for, you know, the coaching client, uh, Mm, and so forth. And, um, you know, I've always been sort of a, uh, problem solver, you know, type person. My undergrad is electrical engineering, and then I have an MBA in finance and entrepreneurship. And, and I just have, I'm just kind of wired to, look at something and say, well, why can't it be this instead of that sort of thing? And, and um, you know, coaching in real estate has been around for a good while, um, but there, there hasn't been a lot of innovation in coaching. In fact, part of that is, is because the model has been stagnant um, in the real estate industry for, you know, the, the past 30 years, uh, really. Um, and so because of that, you know, there haven't, in my opinion. There really haven't been any breakthroughs in, in coaching. There's a lot of mindset work and, and so forth. The technology has changed, which really that also was one of my strong points uh, in real estate was being able to you know, generate massive quantities of leads uh, uh, using uh, technology with uh, IDX and Google pay-per-click and, and other uh, sources. Um, so I would say that as I started to really perfect my ability to, you know, to personally uh, excel. Um, I, I learned how to be able to help other agents because other agents would come to me and ask for help. And so, um, you know, I aligned early on with a, uh, some great guys, great folks, um, uh, Mike and, and Jay, Jay Kinder and uh, Michael Reese, who were starting a coaching company and got to work alongside some really uh, talented uh, coaches where I sort of learned how that, that part of the, of the process worked. I got a really good education in that. And then as I continued to, you know, sort of hone my, uh, uh, my expertise, then I got a little bit sort of into where I could be creative and sort of make my own kind of, um, you know, coaching uh, philosophy, shall we say. Uh, and so, you know, it was about, I would say, well, I got asked, uh, originally I was, I got, uh, they had a new position at, at a, uh, an office, uh, uh, Keller Williams office, uh, uh, for a productivity coach. It was something that, uh, maps was rolling out is to introduce and in, into their market centers for newer agents. And, 
um, I got asked to be the productivity coach, first productivity coach in one of the larger market centers here in Dallas. And, uh, um, you know, I really just, I took to it because I kind of have a heart of a teacher. I probably spent too many years <laughs> in college, Michael. Uh, and because of that, you know, I was, I was always the teacher assistant and used to run, you know, teach engineering classes and stuff like that. And, and um, I've always enjoyed uh, helping, you know, people get a better grip on, you know, their goals and, and their, you know, just their lives. And, and uh, so that, you know, coaching just was an outlet for me to release that passion that I had that, to help other people. And, and fortunately, I was able to, you know, come up with some things that, uh, you know, that, that, that worked and continue to work and, and help people. And, and, uh, you know, that's what my, you know, that's what I love so much about what I do now is I get to, yep. I really have a lot more uh, influence on a larger number of people than I ever have. And that's, you know, that's what's really been meaningful. So, it, of course, you have an electrical engineering and finance degree. Of course, you would do real estate. What else would you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you know, certainly, certainly not politics these days. I have no interest uh, in that. Certainly not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're much smarter than that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I. I don't know. Could be. Could be. You're right. Yeah. Well, listen. I think you are. So, <laughs> I have an, I have an interesting sort of thought on that coaching because you, oh my gosh, you've coached well over 500 agents, but not just agents. They're like super elite agents, and so you're basically, if you start looking at it from a different perspective, you are actually coaching people to become your competitors. What would you say to somebody that would say that to you that you're coaching? basically you're coaching your competition. Yeah. Well, you know, what I would say to that is, is look, if you're worried about your competition, you're focused, you know, have you ever seen that meme? There's a picture of two guys in a swimming pool and the guy in second place is over and he's got his arm up and he's kind of taking a breath and he's looking at the guy in first, right? And yep. the bottom, it says, you know, if you're worried about what your competition's doing, uh, you'll never, you know, come in first or something like that, that effect. And what I would submit is that, look, if you're worried about training your competition, number one, it's very likely you have the wrong business model. And number two, your mindset of, is one of scarcity. And that's not what is going to get you to the full enjoyment of life is going through life thinking that there's always going to be, you know, too little and that you've, you know, you've got to shut people out of your lives when you could be enriching your life, having a much better experience living uh, and making more money by uh, opening yourself up and being transparent and helping other people. I mean, I awesome. love you, brother. Preach. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> that's I it. Mean, come on, man. Why do you think that the, that's it. believe it? Whether it's, you know, why do you think you're here? What's your purpose? Right. That's it. Yeah. It's what's your why? Exactly. That was, that was a softball for you. That was the greatest <laughs> answer. I love that one. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> now I'm going to flip a little bit because you know you you actually shared a, a a very personal story with me this week and you know of having some some challenges and hardships like we all do and 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 having to start over. Um, could I implore you to just share a little bit about that story because I think it's so inspirational. Well, look, I'm not, you know, my life is not unique in the sense that I'm not the one that's, you know, suffered pain. I mean, I just have a passion, you know, and if you look up the word passion uh, in, in, I think it's either Greek or Latin, it really translates into suffering. And, 
you know, what I've learned about life, and I, and I really think that we have created in, in this generation, and look, I love the people that are, you know, are, I have children, and I'm a very compassionate person, but I think where we have failed as, a, a, as our own generation as, is that we have denied our children the right, the need to go and to fail, because we want everything, we always want a better life for them than we had for ourselves. And we're doing everything we can to keep our children from falling down. And I will tell you that the best moments in my life have occurred while I've been at my lowest. The things that are most dear to me where I really knew who I was and who the rock beneath me was, were at the worst, seemingly the worst times in my life. And if you don't experience that gravity, you know, life is all about uh, an action creates an equal and opposite reaction. But if you don't have anything holding you or pushing you, or I like to say gravity, some of these, these people today have no gravity. They just go off and, and they're just floating around somewhere. You know, they don't have anything that they, they're drawn to. If you don't have that in, in the ability to, to have self-discipline and, and, and learn how to manage these problems. Life is about, you know, if, you, if it's raining, quit worrying about the storm, you know, just learn how to dance in the rain for crying out loud. It's well, not like you have to, you know, everything has to be perfect. The world is not created that way. But if you can learn to get your head wrapped around yourself and learn how to manage that five and a half inches between your ears, then you can create and write whatever story it is that you desire. And, you know, so, I mean, I, the, the challenges that I went through when, you know, I was my mom's caregiver, I was, uh, you know, a single dad, you know, with my kids sleeping in rooms that had no carpet in them. Uh, I mean, we literally, there was a point, you know, not too long ago where I couldn't rub two nickels together, Michael, and I'm not proud of that, but I'm also, it doesn't embarrass me or make me ashamed because, you know, poverty is a mindset. And, and I, I wasn't in poverty. God, I was surrounded by people in so much love. I was just freaking broke. Okay. And broke is temporary. Broke, you can fix. But if your mindset is a mindset of poverty, you're going to have a hell of a time fighting your way out of that. So, you know, once you've gone down and gotten back up, boy, does life have and, and take on more meaning than it ever has before, right? So I'm thankful for those times when I got taken down to my knees and I had nothing. I had nothing to fall back on. And you know what? It made me, it, it made me who I am. And like I said earlier, I, you know, I just, my heart goes out to people who are going to have to discover that and, you know, perhaps not be able to self-actualize because they've never had one extreme or the other. They, they're just stuck in the middle you know, and they've never been able to really figure out what, what makes life worthwhile. What, you know, what is a why? I mean, you ask a lot of people today what their why is. They, they would take them 10 minutes. They wouldn't tell you the why. They would just tell you the what, you know? <laughs> that's so true. It's crazy. So, I mean, that's, um, that's you know, yeah. So anyway, you know, this, the story is a story, but it's, you know, it's how you're a great man. Yeah. After you, it. It's how you write it. You know, you just have to learn how to write. That's all right. <laughs> Yeah, listen, brother, it is broke is temporary, but poverty is that mindset, right? And that's how you sort of get, you know, it's harder to get out. 
So tell me where you found that inner strength. What was that for you? What was that realization of that yeah. profound statement? Well, you know, I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of faith and, you know, I, I leaned on God, you know, like, I mean, that, there was nothing else. You know, I had a pastor tell me one time that sometimes you've got to hit rock bottom before mm-hmm. you figure out who the rock at the bottom is. Right. Wow. And yeah. And so I was thankful for that. And then later that pastor, you know, would say, all right, I want parents, I want you to go home and pray that your kids get broken. Okay. Pray that they get broken. So they get drawn nearer to where they need to be because, you know, you have to be humble in this life that we didn't create this wonderful world that we live in. We're here because, you know, we are, we are, it's, it's us created in an image, but you have to understand something. We're not really in, in control of the big picture. And if you think you are, then hold up your right hand and repeat after me. I, Michael. I, Michael. Hereby resign. Hereby resign. As master of the universe. Oh, no, do I have to? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So so what what I'm saying is, is that, look, some people walk around and, you know, with this big chip on their shoulders their whole life because they, they think they're supposed to be master of the universe. Yeah. They can't, they can't uh, acknowledge a higher power. Uh, they can't say that I'm the weaker and there's something greater than me uh, that's out there. I don't care what you believe in. It's not just about, you know, whether you're Christian or Jewish or whatever, it's about a mindset. And really it comes to a mindset of servant leadership. And that's where I think that we have really dropped the, and I'm, I'm not trying to get up here and preach, but you know, I think that we we could really do a lot better job of helping our kids understand what servant leadership is these days. Let me tell you something, Cliff. It's every time that I'm asked where, you know, and I've interviewed a lot of uh, successful people in our industry on this show. And, 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 you know, and I know that you have with your show, which we're going to touch on in a second. And it's really the idea that the common denominator is that those that are successful, no matter where in the world they are, is the fact that they come with two things, humility and service. And that sort of humble servitude is where you always succeed. And that is the common denominator anywhere across the globe. So it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's the lightning so, in the bottle. Yeah, sure. That really is. Yeah. It yeah. really is. I want to ask you what the greatest lesson you've learned in your career has been. Wow. Um, the greatest yeah. lesson I've learned in my career, um, I would say that, that never think that you know everything. Mm. In 33 years, you'd think by now, huh, I probably, you know, know everything, but I am, I, I, you know, never stop learning. Uh, I mean, that's the, the biggest lesson there. You know, there was a point in my life where when I was younger and I thought that, you know, I, I had conquered whatever I needed to conquer. And I was at the top and, and I, I, frankly, I just, you know, I, it was a very selfish thing. And, uh, you know, I, I look back at that time and, and I'm not sure that my cerebral cortex was fully formed. I was about that age. Right. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, we, that's part of growing up though, right. Is you, you have to learn, you have to learn all the way through life, uh, up until you take that last breath, because if you're not learning, then you're obviously what you're, you're dying, right? Absolutely. Oh my God. Come yeah. on. 
Yeah. And it's always, you always want to learn. You always want to, and you learn from everyone. You know, you've got to be that open vessel because you never know where those lessons are coming from. Right. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, 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 the Uber driver that just sort of like emigrated from Afghanistan and like, because I live in New York city and that's common teaches you about tenacity, right? It teaches you that you've come in with literally nothing and you're figuring it out. Well, you know, and I know a little bit of your history and, and, you know, I, I think what is just so amazing is people who were born in this country who never had to fight to get in here. Okay. Who never had to flee communism and socialism and dictators they have really, uh, they, they are quantum levels below um, what they should be in terms of understanding the world and how lucky they are to be here. And that is, again, you know, when you have, I, I, I have a problem with people who are inherently lazy and, and you know, so do I. <laughs> and, you know, entitled and given to them and so forth. I just, I just think that's wrong. And I think it's very selfish um, and I don't think it's productive for society or for, for them and their own families. And they become dependent on other people. They're yep. looking for the government to give them a handout and, and so forth. And you know what? They're, they're, that's just not the way that this country should be. I mean, we were built on the backs of people, like I said, who had to fight to get over here because they yep. were seeking something that was, that was a thousand times worse than yep. what we have in this country. And still to this day, I mean, I was in South Africa. I had, you know, Lars Lobster on my uh, my show yesterday. I mean, my God, there are kids over there that don't even have shoes and people complain about That's not right. having a car here, right? You're absolutely so, right. You know, you I know. mean, I think our perspective is, you know, I wish everybody could spend two years in the Peace Corps and go travel and work in another country and learn what it's like to be born outside of this country. That's right. You know, and, and you were alluding to my story and, you know, and I told you that, you know, my, my, um, my parents had fled communism from, uh, from Cuba. And it was that idea that when you are, you know, here in, in, in this country, it's the fact that tomorrow is never promised, right? You know, it's sort of like everything can be taken away in a day. And so you are there with a sense of, You've got to be, you know, you've got to make it work because there was no safety net. Mm. And that to me was a great gift because that was a lens that to me in, in, in hindsight was a great gift. So I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And so let, let me let me sort of not go too off course here, but let's go back to, to, to you and your wonderful team that you've built. I want to know at what time in your career did you realize you needed a team and how did that happen? I've, I've, I've interviewed many, many team leaders on this show and they sort of talk about the story of an organic growth. Was that the same with you? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that. I, you know, I had run teams under the traditional model uh, in the past and I say traditional, um, we, we all tend to refer to the MREA model, which, you know, uh, Gary Keller is a hall of famer. I love him. He's amazing. He wrote the Bible, you know, the red book on, yep. uh, on real estate. Uh, I call it now the old Testament, but, uh, it, it, <laughs> it really, you know, it's, it, it doesn't really apply today like it did then. Uh, but when I saw what, what could literally be done on an open platform 
where you could go and build and have no restrictions and have all the support you need to do a team or expand beyond that into other MSAs and other states. I mean, it literally opened my eyes, right? And it was the thing that I disliked about running a team in the past was um, it was hard to get everybody in a position where they could, they could be the best that they could be. And I felt bad about that. I felt like I was training people how to work for me, not to go out and how to feed their families and create wealth. And that has all changed in the last four years. Um, I had a, uh, my son was in college uh, and, you know, prior to where I am now, I, it had never been even conceivable really for me to be in business with my, with my son, which I think is every dad's dream is to be able to do that. And it certainly was, but it just didn't seem tangible and let alone to have, you know, my whole family now involved in the business. We just love what we do, but I felt compelled, um, you know, to, to get to people faster, to help people faster. And I knew that as a coach and with my experience, that the quickest way for me to do that was to really open the doors to some hands-on training here locally, whereby I could get close one-to-one with a relatively small group of people, but really just pour into them, help them learn how to lead generate, convert leads, coach them on everything from A to Z, how to, how to sell that first house to how to go out and build your own team. In fact, I created what I like to call Michael, a two-year MBA in, in real estate. And so I tell my team members when they come in, I tell them, look, my expectation is for you to be here for two years. And then I want you to go out and do what I do. I'm going to give you a pulling the curtain back. I'm giving you everything I've got, everything I know, and I'm going to help you do this, build some money along the way so that you can support your family to the level they need to be. And then I'm going to show you how to go out and really create some generational wealth. And that opportunity to build a team and to be able to tell somebody that has never existed until recently. Okay. So, so I had an epiphany at the end of last year, I was selling a lot of real estate myself. I did 11 or 12 million, something like that, just by myself. Um, And, you know, my son came on board and I said, what a better way to introduce my son to the real estate business than to build a team. So we talked about it and I said, well, how do you feel about this? And he goes, well, I think I feel okay about it. I don't know what we're going to do, but it sounds like fun. So I said, okay, well, let's build a team. And so we started with zero agents essentially uh, uh, at the end of last year. And we've built it up. We've got about 36 agents now uh, who are uh, throughout the Dallas Fort Worth area. And I'm happy to say that, you know, we have developed a, uh, a curriculum, a core for them that is helping them learn the business. We're helping them uh, become self-leaders uh, and again, I, as I said before, my goal is to get these uh, wonderful people through so that they can go and create lives of their own and, and, and empires of the own, their own, if that's what they desire right. to do. But they're going to have every tool and every chance that they can to succeed. You know what the numbers are in terms of failure here. You know, 82% of the people who get their license fail to renew it after the first year. 100%. Well, you know, why is that? Well, yep. it's, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but I feel like a lot of it is, is because, you know, nobody's there to help them. And, you know, that's where I just felt like this would be 
one of the ways for me to impact the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time to help them realize their goals and, and, and literally change their lives just as my life has been changed. And, you know, and you're alluding to the company that we both work for, and it really is that idea of team that you've built in our normal sense of what that team is, but then the ability to then bring other people into the, um, the organization that changes lives, as you say, and it does. And now your team can be anywhere across the 50 states or across the globe. And as we continue to expand and what my team is doing with EXP in our expansion efforts, you know, you're right there in the thick of it. And you're as excited as, as you know, a kid in a candy store to sort of say, where are we going next? Let's sort of like, let's think about this. And, you know, and other things that, you know, the, the, the company is looking at, commercial that they just announced, other divisions that might be coming up, things that are really exciting with what we're doing. It's just an incredible opportunity. You know, the way that Glenn and, and Glenn is one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And hundred percent agreed. I, I got to say that his vision for this company, I mean, it, it was like, leave no agent behind. We're going to yeah. turn this business upside down. We're going to take the broker and put him at the bottom of the pile. Cause that's where they belong. And we're going to put the agent first and we're going to tie everybody together through revenue share and stock ownership. And what that has done is it's created such a powerful platform and a powerful bond between people in our company. I mean, it is, I, I have never in my life witnessed um, the amount of cooperation and collaboration that goes on. It allows us to do things that other brokerages couldn't even dream of. Yeah. And let me give you an example. I mean, here I am, you know, 61 years of age, um, you know, four years ago, I was concerned about outliving my money. I mean, every dollar that I made was dependent on me going out and hustling my ass off. And I had to go sell a house or coach a client or something like that. Well, now that's all changed. I'm able now to build a legacy and create generational wealth that I can pass on to my children and my undeserving unwashed heirs. I'm sorry, I had to throw that in. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, look, it's, it's all different. But listen to this. The money that I make is not just coming from the Dallas area. I am, I am so well insulated against seasonality and swings in the real estate markets. I've got income now coming in from North America, all over Canada, all five provinces. Soon I'll have money coming in from Europe, from India, from all the places, Mexico, the places you're going out and open up these markets. And, and by the way, I got to tip my hat and just say, thank you, Michael, you are the, one of the few people that I know that when you say something, you absolutely get it done. No questions asked. And you had some pretty big promises you made us in this company when you joined. And man, you are scoring. You're hitting on all cylinders. So thank you, my friend and my brother, for what you're doing, man. You are such an inspiration and such a great leader in, in what you do for the company. It's incredible. But, but think about what it's like to have the diversification in income and not only income, but the channels of income to have ownership in stock. Okay. I mean, how many, how many, go ask how many, how many agents do you know that have stock in their company in, in Remax right. or in Cal and I'm not knocking the other brokers. I'm just saying it's a new model, right? That's it's it. A totally new model. But the power of that is becoming shareholders instead of stakeholders. Stakeholders don't get anything shareholders get dividends. And that's the, the dividend that we have is we are 
we are one. This is the three musketeers on steroids, right? <laughs> that's right. all for one and one for all. And that's, that's exactly it. That's a movement, man. That is a movement and there ain't no stopping it. Uh, you know what? It was, it was incredible. You know, my, I left my former company after 15 years and uh, it was just the, the idea that when I was introduced to this model, I was just like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> it's the idea that, wait, the agents, the brand, they don't have to pay a franchise fee. They don't have to pay a royalty fee. They don't have to pay a marketing fee. What are you talking about? And so it's the idea that, well, you know, there's there's 1.2 million realtors in, in, in the United States, but you know, there's a million realtors in India. There's a million realtors in, 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 in Mexico. It's like all of a sudden your playing field just went 10x, 20x, 50x by the time we're, we're done with this expansion. It's like, well, there's no stopping us. This is crazy. Not only that, look how scalable it is. You, oh, don't that's point. To, yeah. you don't have to have the capital to go open up some expensive monument to the to the franchisee known yep. as a market center. There's nothing like that. The capital requirements are less. You can look for great people that you know can go out and, and scale and execute with you. I mean, with the technology and, and the opportunities that we have there to, you know, I, and I don't even want to begin to go down that rabbit hole because we'll be right. on the we'll be talking for another hour. Yeah, but, exactly. I mean, if you look at the scale that we have as one company, it's incredible. And there's some big giants out there who are shaking in their boots right now because they know that we're going to be, as one broker, we're going to have the ability to do some things to pull MLSs together and, and go into foreign countries and create MLSs. That's and, right. And, and uh, you know, uh, and home searches and things that, that nobody else can do. So Just think about I mean, our scale and our agility. Right. We're opening five countries around the globe and I haven't been on a plane to meet with a single person in any of those five countries. That's crazy. Is that amazing? You know, court, the first time I met Courtney in Phoenix, yeah. it was like she said, I think she said that was the first she, first time she'd met a Glenn or there was something. I mean, like you, you had been working. No, the first time she met Glenn was today was yesterday. Isn't what? that crazy? Oh, my God. Yes. That is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I know it's insane. Oh, oh my gosh! But listen, I want—I want to ask you about your podcast. You've got a great podcast, which, by the way, I love the title of your podcast, which is Cliff's Notes. And you know, I had the pleasure of an honor of you asking me to be a guest on your show. And your show is—let me tell you—you're—you know—it's sort of like. I'm, I've, I've been just trying to get the message out on my podcast, but your podcast is real legit. You've got your, your podcast is in a studio. You've got the three camera stuff. You've got your producers. You're, you, you're on a show. And it was, it's an amazing, amazing show. And uh, I, I want you to share a little bit about Cliff Notes for, uh, for my listeners so that they can uh, get into your podcast. Well, well, sure. In fact, there's a great interview with a young man named Michael uh, Valdez in there, and uh, I would highly recommend you go find it. You can just go to www.cliffsnotes.tv, and that's the channel, and and just search for uh, for Michael, and and you'll find him. And and uh, gosh, I'll never I'll never forget uh, you had just joined uh, EXP at the time, and 
And uh, I was so excited. I, I don't know if everybody noticed my tail was wagging during the whole show, but um, you know, we, uh, we, we, you were very generous and offered to come onto the show right when you got there and uh, at EXP. And, and I just, I knew right away with the way that you spoke and you carried yourself and, and with the experiences that you had, that this was going to be one of the biggest impactful hires that, uh, that we have done as a company. You know, I got to give Glenn credit because boy, he is a people picker and, you know, him and Jason and, and Jeff and, and James and everybody at that, you know, at the, the level that does the hiring and stuff around here has really just crushed it. Um, and, you know, you're in that legacy and a hall of famer and, and uh, boy, I just hope that uh, I hope we can keep that up because uh, we are really uh, robbing the brain trust right now with the folks that we're bringing over here. So it's it's really exciting. But you can catch uh, interviews with um, all kinds of agents. Uh, I say all kinds from all over the, the country, top producers, the individual. I have brand new agents that I interview on there that I think are going to be really good. Um, and, you know, we built the show for people who are either in the business or looking at the business, interested in the business. Uh, we wanted to come and bring value to, uh, to those viewers. And, and so far, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And, oh, you've uh, done an amazing job. It's really terrific. So I have one final question for you. I want to know what you would like your legacy to be, Cliff. Yeah, well, that's a great question. And, and it's becoming a lot more clear now. Uh, than it, you know, than it's been, you know, you don't tend to think about those things a lot uh, when you're younger and, you know, you, you get the born on date and you don't really think about the, you know, left the world date. And, right. and so, you know, you're, you know, you're invincible and things like that. But as we, you know, as we get closer uh, to the end and to the beginning, those things tend to take meaning. And, and uh, you know, I just, I really, uh, I want to leave this world a, a, a better place uh, than when I got here. Uh, I want to help people have lived better lives uh, and have better relationships with their families. I want them to, I want them to excel in business, uh, excel in parenting, uh, excel in being a spouse or a partner. Uh, you know, they're living life to the fullest. Really, Michael is all about learning how to keep that the five equities and the wheel of life in balance. Uh, and, you know, with the right help, none of us got here uh, without help. Anybody who believes that they're self-made is kidding themselves. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, just but but to be able to, you know, to help as many people who really want to, um, uh, you know, achieve and, 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 and really fill expectations that they've set for themselves and and really want to live at a high level. Those are the people that I want to help get there and. You know, that's uh, I, I just want people to remember me for somebody who, you know, who gave them a hand up. That's all not a handout, not a fist down, but, you know, just a hand up and, and helped them along and and led them to a better life. I love that. And let me tell you something, brother. You do that every day by who you are and what you share with people and the you know, and you just share so lovingly. There's no there's nothing like what's in it for me? What's, what's the next thing? It's just like, you just give. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's an honor to know you and to have spent time with you and get to know you better and to call you a friend. And I'm really looking forward to us developing this friendship for many years to come. Well, same here. It's an honor, a pleasure. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just very grateful to, you know, to be, uh, 
considered a friend and and to be in in uh, you know your your world here and in our world together. I mean, it's really exciting. Um, I've never worked with better people in my whole life. I mean, it just is really uh, uh, something that's almost a dream. I, I tell folks uh, seriously that I take a knee and pinch myself uh, every day uh, just to make sure that I'm not dreaming. I'm already dead and up in heaven somewhere. Cause uh, you know, it, it, kind of, it kind of feels like that once in a while. And, and uh, I, you know, I can't explain it. People may think I've lost my mind and that's, that's possible too, but, but uh, you know, it, it really is. It's um, you know, the, 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 my definition of success is what I'm doing right now. You know, I've got location freedom, time freedom and, and financial freedom, but beyond that, um, you know, I've got the best possible circle of people to be in business with uh, that I could have ever hoped for. And so that to me has just brought so much meaning uh, and intensity into my life that, uh, you know, I'm forever grateful for that. But, you know, and thank you again, Michael. Like I said, it's uh, the privilege is on my end uh, to be on your show. You've had some people that uh, are just Hall of Famers. And, and uh, I just, I'm, I'm excited to walk through the locker room and and uh, along and see those names of the past guests. Well, I'm continuing that tradition with you, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, my brother. And thank you so much for being on the show. Yes, sir. Let's go out and put our dent in the universe, okay? Oh, my God. I love that. That's a good closing. I like that closing line. Let's go put our dent on the universe. I love that. Thank you, Cliff. And thank you, all of you, for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Thanks very much.